This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. The pitch, swinging a ground ball right side, Gordon way to his left, diving stop, gets up, throws the first, ball game is over, the Mariners win it, a final score of 12-4 here in the home opener for 2019, before a crowd of over 45,000, a sellout crowd here at T-Mobile Park. Mariners are 3-0 on the season, they are winning, they've won every game, only 159 more to go. Before they finish the year undefeated, as we all expected. And, as is and, expected, I think. Yeah, as yeah. everybody kind of projected at the beginning of the season that the Mariners were going to make a run for the playoffs, right? They were going right. to challenge for the AL West title. They're going to make a run for the, well, actually, no. They Very few people projected them to even have a winning record in this upcoming season. But they're off to the best start that they've had in years, 3-0 and right now. And but they're also closer to surpassing a win total of one of the most infamous teams in professional baseball history. Now, what? Why would we even be talking about this uh, tonight? We're three games into the Mariners' season. Well, Stacy, you've been inspired. You've been chomping at the bit about because this I love story time for a while. I Every love now, history. Yeah, for the last I would say month or so. In the sports pit, you've been researching and studying up on a baseball team from way back in the Well, day. let me correct you. A month ago, you and I made a joke about this baseball team. A month later, a.k.a. tonight, mm. I went on Wikipedia. There we go. And printed it out. <laughs> so, Please clearly, donate to Wikipedia so I don't feel like I'm plagiarizing. Yeah, so we have done massive amounts of preparation for this segment. Uh, but, Stacy, it's story time. It's Let's time for you to take it away. Uh, where exactly are you taking us? We are going to go back in time to 1887. <laughs> The story begins with Frank Robinson, who was a businessman that used funds from his company to start up a baseball team, the Cleveland Blues. And depending on which source you use, they also have the Cleveland Forest Cities, which not a bad Forest name. Cities? Forest Cities. <laughs> How, what, like, wow. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. We, we haven't even gotten into the meat of this story. The fans at those games, like, what? how do you root? Like, go Forest Cities. Well, I don't know. I mean, Blues is a significantly better name. Oh, yeah. I think, it's, it's, still... way, I think it's way more fitting yeah. than Cleveland. <laughs> Either way, they don't stay with that name. Take me back in time again. After two years, the Cleveland Blues moved to the National League and became known as the Cleveland Spiders. Now, one of their first managers was a guy named Oliver, I think it's Thibault, it looks very French, but I don't know, who went by Patsy. He was named manager in 1890, and the team started to improve. Um, but just so you know, Thibault was uh, also known for harassing opposing players and umpires. Uh-oh. Yes. Uh, this is from a book called, which I now want to read, The Field of Screams, The Dark Underside of American of America's National Pastime by Richard Sheenan. He said that at one point in 1892, uh, he would browbeat opposing pitchers 
hurl baseballs out of parks in fits of anger, and once threatened to put an ump in the hospital if he didn't leave the park for making a bad call. Whoa. That era of baseball, <laughs> there's some right? wild, wild stories about like player-umpire interactions. I think Old Haas Radborn, that's an actual dude's name from back in the day, I think he like brandished a knife at a game one it's time and like wild. waved it at an umpire. Wow. Like <laughs> like whoa. This guy was notorious for doing that. Like he Like that was his he thing. He threatened umpires. Can you imagine that Ugh. happening today? Like imagine Scott Service going out there like threatening to send a guy to the hospital if he doesn't leave the ballpark. It would it's cer- certainly wild. make it interesting. Yeah, that's for yeah. Sure. it would. To I don't think he could have his job the next day. I don't think so either, but Imagine the replay. I do miss the classic Lou Pinella uh, freak out on the umpire, take out the first base, t- toss it as far as you can possibly throw it. I do miss those days. Uh, this guy sounds very awesome. As I was saying, the team started to improve in the first couple years after Tabo started. So he started in 1890. In that same year, the team signed a young pitcher that led them to a lot of early success. His name was Denton True Young, also known known. as future baseball Hall of Famer Cy Young. Did you know this was his first team? Did not know that. Yeah, he started with the Cleveland Spiders. He's won more games than anybody in Major League history. Uh, Has the award for best pitcher of the year named after him. If this is the winningest pitcher in Major League Baseball history... What's I would he doing imagine- on the worst team? Yeah. Well, let me tell you a bit more about Young. I need my, my oh, go-back okay. to yeah, time yeah. music. All right. <laughs> I just like the sound of it. All right, so he made his debut with the Spiders, and this was his Major League debut in August of 1890. I mean, so he also is about the 90s. Also debuting in 1890, Bartell Drugs. <laughs> Why do you know things, <laughs> Because Curtis? their motto is trusted around here since 1890. Okay, that's fine. But you just know a lot of things, and it's weird. Yeah. You're you're interrupting my story oh, with my your bad. weird okay. trivia. Okay. <laughs> We're back. Thank you. He pitched a three-hit, eight-and-one victory over the Chicago Colts, which also don't exist, and established himself as one of the harder-throwing pitchers in the game. So speaking of weird things that managers used to do... Uh, Cy Young's catcher often put a piece of beefsteak inside his baseball glove to protect his catching hand from his fastball. That's how hard he was throwing that ball. Can you imagine? You, <laughs> you put beefsteak inside yeah, but of those your glove. glove. Oh, yeah, those gloves exactly. at the time were like nothing. He might yeah. as well have been catching it with his bare hand. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fine, but that's just gross. You're playing how many innings with beefsteak in your hand? You gotta and it's do what July? you gotta do. I yeah. mean, this is August sixth, and, and you have beefsteak, raw beefsteak in your hand. Not only is it August August sixth, it's probably hot wherever they're at. They're also wearing wool uniforms in the middle of summer. All right, I'll go back again. I'm not done. Okay. So Young pitched the first no-hitter of his entire career with the Cleveland Spiders. This was in 1897 in a game against the Cincinnati Reds. The Spiders, even at their beginning, were such a dysfunctional team that in his no-hitter, the Spiders still committed four errors on defense, and one of the errors had originally been ruled a hit, but the third baseman sent a note to the press box after the eighth inning saying he'd actually made an error. Oops, and the ruling was changed. So... 
really the highlight of their season was when Cy Young got there in around 1890, debuted in 91, and 92, I think they came in second place. And then in 1899, they had what will become known as the worst season in baseball history. Which is saying a lot, because there have been some really bad teams out there. Like, listen, Baltimore fans. Yeah. It could be worse. Yeah, (laughs) Orioles fans. Like, you look at the lineup they ran out today against the Yankees. I recognized about two guys, and the only reason I recognized one of them is because I went to college with him. (laughs) Like, that's the only reason why I knew Joey Rickard. Okay. Well, so let me talk about how they got to that point. So, in 1899... The owners, which are these two brothers, so there was Frank, the guy that bought the team with his money, and his brother. So they bought the St. Louis Browns out of bankruptcy and changed their name to the Perfectos. But they also had the Spiders, and so now they had a blatant conflict of interest. So they thought the Perfectos were in a better market since St. Louis was way more populated than Cleveland. And so they took most of Cleveland's stars, including Cy Young and a bunch of other dudes, and took them to St. Louis. And they also, and this is pretty cold-blooded, they shifted a huge number of the Spiders' home games to the road. So their opening day game was shifted to St. Louis. And that was their opening game. So these two brothers that had these two teams... The opening game was with their old team that they took all the stars from and the new team. Basically, the Cleveland Spiders were Seabiscuit, and there was no happy ending. Oh, no. You know how Seabiscuit was used alongside other horse, you know, yeah. horses to make them faster? And, yes. You know, it's like Bama. Like, like this was one of the little teams that was their Seabiscuit. Like, this is like Florida A&M. Exactly. Can I get the back-in-time music again? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, it really sets me up. Let me take you through... The Spiders' infamous 1899 season. With a decimated roster, in their first game, they were beaten by the Perfectos 10-1. to The first 16 home games drew a total of 3,179 fans, or about 200 fans per game. Wow. Because of these attendance figures... The other National League teams refused to come to their park and play because the revenue from ticket sales wouldn't cover hotel and travel expenses and everything else that came along with that. (laughs) (laughs) So the Cleveland Spiders, because no one wanted to come play at their stadium because no one would show up, had to play 85 of their remaining 93 games on the road. Wow. Can you? So 200 people show up. To their game. 200, about t- less than 200 people a less game. Less than 200 people. Jake, you've played in some wild football leagues in your career. Yes. <laughs> Have never, any game even you've those played in, had at least like 2,000 people showing 200 up? 200 people. Game. If someone drops something, you can hear it. Yes. And if anybody yelled anything, you could absolutely <laughs> hear it. Uh, if you're, there was a little kid crying at the game, you would be hearing it. Man, that would be... You could, in your games against small schools, hear a baby crying? That would be so defeating. I'm not saying I played for a crowd like that. Okay, I'm just okay. saying that... Oh, you're that, saying you could hear that. Crowd, oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That Even would be horrible. in high school, I can't imagine you played in, in front of a crowd that was... No, no. In high school, we used, to pack it, we used to pack it out. It would be, you know, five to you know, 10,000 people a game. I mean, that, that's, that's insane. All right. Well, let me take you through their final stats because it's, it's pretty bad. Okay, back in time music. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love it. Here we go. (laughs) All right. So, 
counting the home games that had been shifted to the road, they only played 42 home games, including only eight home games after July 1st. They finished finished 9 and 33 at home and 11 and 101 on the road. Their final club record was 20 wins and 134 losses. They lost 40 of their last 41 games, and by season's end, they trailed the top team in their league by 84 games. Wow. They were 35 (laughs) games behind the next-to-last-place Washington Senators, Um, and that's really, really, really bad. Their longest win streak of the season was two games, which they accomplished once on May 20th against the Phillies and then uh, the next day against Louisville. Uh, there's a couple really interesting stats. Opponents scored 10 or more runs 49 times in 154 games. The pitching staff allowed a record 1,252 runs, and the batters combined to hit 12 home runs. In the last 57 games of the season, they won three. Wow. Yeah. I can feel good about this now because everybody has talked about, you know, man, where are the Mariners going to be at? How bad can this possibly be? Uh, it seems like it's going to be really, really bad while we're also trying to get better. Now, Stacy, thank you for taking us back in time. Oh, just so you guys know, this team was disbanded after this season and Ooh. became the Cleveland Blues in 1901 uh, and eventually became the Cleveland Indians. Wow. Okay. okay. So then, so, so they, then they turn it around at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Tough beginnings. That's a that's really a, tough. Yeah. Beginnings. That's a that's tough a beginnings. long retooling process right there. <laughs> that's right. So Ho- hopefully we're not that long. No. So it, it can never be worse than that. The Mariners are almost a third of the way. In fact, they're more than a third of, uh, or more than a seventh of the way, I should say, uh, to that win total right there. They're three and zero. You can't take those three wins away from them. Coming up at 8.30, though, what if the Mariners are actually good this season? What if they have been lying to us about this being a step back this year and they actually put forth a really good product in 2018, or actually I should say 2019. 2018 was a year ago. Get with the program. See, I was going back in time so much, <laughs> I got my dates. <laughs> That's the thing. Though. I started talking about 1890, 1892. Yeah. 1899, and now we don't even know what year it is. No, but that's coming up in about 15 minutes. But up next, Gonzaga moving on to the Elite Eight. Is it time to just throw away that mid-major label once and for all? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We're on so late here on 710 that the cleaning crew has come in during commercial breaks. Like, that's how late it's getting around here. Yeah, well. We make them part of our show. We do, yeah. It's like we, a fun we can bring them on. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, up next, yeah. we talk. To the cleaning crew here. Yeah. Shout out to them. I mean, shout out to cleaning crews all around. We're doing this show late at night. I imagine there are people out there working who, who are putting in those hard hours right now. And uh, we appreciate you for, for taking your uh, taking us with you to work here, right? Like, there's probably security guards out there, truck drivers doing their thing. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for choosing us to be a part of your night. Can you imagine if there's someone bad, like someone that's like, 
scouting a house to rob it, but he's listening to the to our 710 app. Hey, man. He's a huge sports fan. You give us those He's ratings. like, hey, man, I work at night, too. Yeah. That's right. Give us those clicks. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to robbers. Oh, Jeez. man. Actually, no, don't shout out to robbers. That's okay. Very yeah, bad actually, bad. you're Just committing a crime. Just shout out to the listeners and whoever it thank is. Thank you for Just, listening. Yeah, you know. Okay. We're huge in the prison community. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle Sports tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, The Gonzaga Bulldogs today picking up a victory over the Florida State Seminoles in the Sweet 16, winning it by 14. They won 72-58. They will play Texas Tech on Saturday in the Elite Eight with a berth to the Final Four on the line. It would be Gonzaga's second Final Four trip in three seasons. Two years ago, they made the national championship game uh, this is their third Elite Eight in their last five seasons. They spent so long after making the Elite Eight in 1999, that stretch between Elite Eights, I think, got to Gonzaga fans a lot, where you didn't expect them to to move on in the tournament because so often they would get upset in the first round or the second round or in the Sweet 16. But now I think they have shaken that label. I think they are... They're a ridiculously good basketball program. They're certainly either the best program on the West Coast or second best. I, I yeah. don't even know who you would put. Yeah, who would be? You're just leaving room for error. Well, yeah. But... I, I, I think that they're absolutely the best basketball program on in the West Coast, without a doubt. I think uh, they have established themselves especially as of late in the last five years, that they have become a legitimate, legitimate college basketball program. They're not just a team that is dominating a mid-major conference. I think really since you look at the 2013-14 season, they have taken a major turn in terms of being a really good basketball program and making the NCAA tournament and maybe falling short to now becoming an elite basketball program. Since that 2014-15 season, they have gone uh, round of 32, or sorry, they've gone Elite 8, Sweet 16, runner-up, Sweet 16, Elite 8. In five years, that's a pretty dang good run. And I understand that people being upset with Hey, they should have gone farther than the Sweet 16 those last couple years. Well, guess what? North Carolina, Duke, they've also had some plunders as well in their recent history. Uh, I believe that it does hurt them from time to time that they are in a mid-major conference. Mm-hmm. But is as of recently, they have made major changes in the talent that they have acquired. Gonzaga used to be the team that you could look at and say, man, they plucked at least four local guys from Washington State that maybe Washington didn't wasn't able to get a hold of or one of these major basketball programs wasn't able to pluck out of Seattle. And they were really good teams. Now you're getting them they are their recruiting pool is massive it's they're, international yeah they they're they've gotten guys from Poland they had Shima Karnowski a couple of years ago Rui Hach, yeah uh, Demonis Sabonis from Lithuania uh Rui Hachimura from Japan mm-hmm. a, a, a country where I, I don't think anybody has come close to I guess finding the talent that could be there uh they've had guys from Australia play for the team uh you know, Mark Few is a guy who I think leaves no stone unturned. 
That is a guy who exhausts every ounce of resources that they have there at Gonzaga, and he may not have the rosiest personality. He may not be the friendliest coach out there, but his resume at Gonzaga, you put him at any other school, that's a guy who's going to win. Yeah. And Gonzaga has been rewarded greatly by his loyalty, uh, him being able to establish his program and to make it what it is when you know so many people continue to to throw daggers their way and say, oh, like Tom Wassel, who say, oh, you've got so much more to prove even though you just made a national title game. Whereas, look at the Pac-12. There hasn't been a team from this conference to make the national title game since UCLA back in 2006. And before that, it was Arizona back in 2001 when they lost to Duke. Right. It has been lean here in the Pac-12, and you stack in Zaga's resume over the last 20 years against any team in the Pac-12. You've got Oregon, who made the Final Four a couple of seasons ago. But outside of that, you've got Arizona, who's slipped up in the Elite Eight multiple times over the last five or six years. You've got UCLA, who is on their, what, third or fourth head coach since about the year 2000, which you don't come to expect that from the Bruins. And then who else in the Pac-12? There's nobody. There's here. really there's really been nobody. Uh, and, and you hope that for Washington Husky fans that Washington is now going to emerge as one of the top programs out of the Pac-12 and be a, a level of consistency under Mike Hopkins. But the other reason why I believe the you know why I believe Gonzaga's program it, that that label of them just being a overrated mid-major team is not only the talent pool that they've been able to get but the length that they have at each position. I mean this year it has been fascinating to watch. You've got Brandon Clark, a 6'8 forward who is as athletic as possible uh, in terms of defensively and also around the rim. Uh, Rui Hachimura, who is going to be a top draft pick when it's all said and done, who is 6'8 and, and, and skilled as can be for, for a big guy. Uh, Corey Kispert, your, your uh, given local guy from Edmonds, Washington, he is 6'6 and can, can shoot and play from all around the court. Zach Norville, your shooter, he's 6'5". Uh, Perkins, your guard, who's bringing the ball up the court, is 6'3". Killian Tilly off Killian the Tilly bench. Killian 6'10". I mean, that, that is a ton of length from your from your five, six starters that are consistently playing. I mean, the, the, the length that you have, uh, to me, is something that when Mike Hopkins talked about playing uh, North Carolina, that was something that they simply could not overcome. And talent-wise, they were overmatched. And Gonzaga doesn't have that issue. Did you guys hear about the guy with the perfect bracket, by the way? I'm chiming in with some random thing I saw on Twitter like an hour ago. Is he still perfect after today's games? He, he, no. But he guessed the first 49 games correct, which was the only person in America that has a bracket on any of these like websites to do it. Just for the record, does he? Does he? Is he employed by Warren Buffett? He, yeah. <laughs> no, he. There was a contest that you would get. Like, anyways, um, he. <laughs> he's a neuropsychologist. His name is Greg, and guess who he has winning it all? Who? Gonzaga, obviously. Okay. Duh. Duh I'm bringing it up now. Uh, so you know, there you go. Just for Zags fans looking for, you know, outside of just kind of like general arguments that you can make now. A neuropsychologist agrees with you. 
By the way, uh, we're getting a lot of shout-outs on the text line uh, from people who are up listening late. Uh, from the 253, they say, as a college student, I love having sports talk radio for these late nights. From the 253, how about a shout-out to all the medical lab drivers out here picking up medical specimens to get back to the lab for testing? Yeah, absolutely. Stay safe with that. I mean, got to imagine some biohazard stuff you're carrying around at this hour. Oh, yeah. So Stay alert. Yeah, hopefully we're keeping you awake. And then from the 757, not entirely sure where that area code's from, uh, talking about, or people who are still driving home from the Mariners game. Man, if you're hitting traffic. You haven't got out of traffic? Wow. The game ended around 730. I mean, yeah. We're three hours after it. Maybe they're they're on their way. Maybe they came from out of state. Maybe they were having so much fun after the game, living it up, opening day. Now you just now you're just getting home. That's that's the way to do it. Uh, I you know here's the thing. I I you know again going turning back this conversation to Gonzaga. I just really appreciate a program who uh, has been doing it the right way for a really long time. Especially when you you're now hearing from some of these flagship programs all across the country that are being um, probed by the FBI. Uh, you know are being fed, uh, prosecuted by the F, you know the FBI in terms of uh, handlers and all those types of things in recruiting. Curtis, uh, don't be defensive. I know. Hey, it's this... my my Kansas Jayhawks are, yeah. have been in this conversation too, so yeah, I'm you're... right here with Curtis. We, we so got... this show, sixty six point six percent of it is represented uh, in terms of alma maters uh, by FBI investigations. Like Kansas and Arizona are probably <laughs> the two right. schools that have gotten it the most. Uh, maybe Louisville also in there. So. I mean, Jake and I, we, we yeah. see eye to eye on this. We Has Washington? Uh, Markel Fultz, he is alleged to have okay. received a bag. Yes. Yes. A, yeah. ba- a bag of cash, yes. Yeah. yes. I thought I would have won that debate, but no. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Washington's right. not alone. That's fine. <laughs> That's right. Or, you were trying to break Curtis and I up. You just can't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to intervene. You cannot create controversy here. Tired of uh, this camaraderie. But, but that is a great point. You look at all these schools that have been wrapped up in these allegations and all the players that have been uh, implicated in all of this, or at least have been mentioned, you haven't heard a single thing from Gonzaga. You haven't. And you'd think with a team as remote as they are, Spokane, it's a good city, but it's nowhere near any other big city. And Gonzaga, to be able to bring these kids in from all over the world and say, yeah, you want to play for us, you want to win, we'll get you to the NBA, we'll get you the exposure that you need, which is wild to think that like you can get exposure in Spokane of all places. Right. What we were just talking about Ernie Kent having such a hard time recruiting the Pullman, right? Like Pullman has more of a draw than than the campus at Gonzaga, just in terms of just like an over uh, overall college experience. Um, you know, WSU. Yeah, it's a college town. The it, whole the whole town is like Wazoo. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a college town that you can get caught up in. In the fact that it's such a strong community and Gonzaga is so remote and they've been able to create something special. And Mark Few being able to overcome those things and establish a, a culture and a program that is centered around winning and centered around sending guys, developing their talent and sending them to the NBA, uh, to me is remarkable. And the fact that Mark Few has not taken another job and has remained at Gonzaga and it seems like he is going to stay there for a long time. Gonzaga's not going in, going away. They're, I believe that they're only going to remain at the top with their talent 
it, uh, in terms of across the country and internationally since they've been able to have recent success with that. Coming up in uh, about 15, or actually in about 20 minutes from now, uh, ask us anything right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can text in uh, 710-710, the Coors Light text line, getting more text uh, from the 425, driving home from my son's lacrosse game. Nice to have local sports talk at this hour. It's nice to have you listening to us, 425. But up next, big if true, are the Mariners actually good? What if they're good? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jay Keeps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get those texts in on the Coors Light text line 710-710. Ask us anything coming up in about 10 minutes or so right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacy Ross, the quarterback Jake Heaps right here on Seattle Sports at Night. And the Mariners coming away with a huge 12-4 victory in their home opener today over the Boston Red Sox. A Red Sox team which, I mean, the resume kind of speaks for itself. Defending World Series champions. Reigning MVP Mookie Betts out there in the outfield. Chris Sale just one of the nastiest pitchers in the game, and the Mariners made quick work of them today after they fell down to nothing, uh, made it just a, a heyday at the plate. Five home runs they hit out. Uh, just an incredible day for all in attendance at T-Mobile Park, which then kind of begs the question. We were kicking this around as we were waiting for the show, and it's like, what if the Mariners are good? And it started as a joke from Jake sending out a tweet that was kind of like a jab, like it was being sarcastic. <laughs> well, people didn't. Some people got it. Some people didn't. I think the use of emojis made it clear. If you know emojis, you already know the, the mind-blown emoji and then the suspicious eyes emoji. Yes. Popular during free agency. Mm, it, it, yes. it, it is true and, and popular during, uh, amongst active uh, athletes right now. I use it all the time. Contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. Yes. So next so time Stacy's up and her seven ten contract, I'm just going to tweet out the eye emoji. That's right. Ooh, yeah. And we are going to speculate what that means. Yeah. yeah. We're going to wait for someone to say something. Yes. And then I'm going to retweet it. So would, what? What would I be ha- franchise tag, Stacy? That's right. So what? I, what I said was classic Mariners. Just when you think they are being honest with the fans, they do this. Have they been lying to us? Am I supposed to believe that this is a step-back season? Mind-blown emoji, thinking emoji, big eyes emoji. I think that this is something yeah. that I think that this, just so they know. I mean, it was important about the emojis, right? I think that this is something that is funny because as Mariners fans, we've sat there and we've asked for so long for the Mariners to be honest with us. Give us what direction you guys are trying to go in are you guys trying to win now or are you guys trying to uh make moves and make this team better for the future and take step back and jerry depoto came out this offseason and said that they were taking a step back and man does this team look like they're ready to roll so born from jake's tweet that brings us to tonight's big if true this can't be happening big you can't be serious man if did he say that true History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! 
Mariners are 3-0. They've scored at least five runs in every game. They scored nine in their opener, 12 today. Tim Beckham's got three home runs. Domingo Santana, he has nine RBIs so far this season, most in franchise history through three games. In fact, Santana's got the most RBIs in the month of March in Major League Baseball history. Like, But you only play like two or three games in the month of March, so it's not saying a ton. You know, here's the thing. We don't know the future. We're just looking at this as a just an objective kind of debate. That's right. Like, I don't think honest, if you asked any of us honestly, I think our assumptions for the season would be very much in line with like a national perspective of they have gotten rid of a lot of talent that can help them right now to build towards the future. So, no, we're not expecting – I mean, maybe I shouldn't be speaking for you, but I'm assuming you aren't <laughs> expecting them to be How World Series you, contenders. But it's fair to debate what if they are at least better what if, than – What if they're what if they're the Oakland Athletics this year? Uh, the Oakland Athletics last year mm-hmm. were the big surprise. No one thought that they were going to be the team that they became last year – uh, and and maybe the Mariners can do just that. Maybe the fact that they were able to get rid of some of the guys culturally, maybe not maybe not talent wise, upgrade, but culturally they were able to upgrade the clubhouse and fill it with guys that had a, have had a ton of talent who just haven't been able to live up to their potential up to this point, and give them a legitimate opportunity and empower them and make them feel hungry for an opportunity. And these guys are going to capitalize on it. Now, obviously, their starting pitching is not going to be dominant. They've got some nice pieces, but when Marco Gonzalez is your number one starting pitcher, uh, I would it's safe to say that he's not the guy you want rolling out there as your ace. Uh, he is a guy that is going to be really good uh, as a as a three uh, moving four three four in that role. Your bullpen is. L- less to be desired and we haven't really got a whole bunch of a, a taste of them yet but that's going that's going to be coming up at some point but man do you see the bats on these guys and you see some fun personalities and some guys that hopefully we can watch blossom before our eyes and maybe make a run at this thing and and make us surprised you know, it's yeah. funny. Oh, it's, I was just going to say it's funny that you mentioned the Oakland A's because Service talked about Bob Melvin this morning and talking with him in in Tokyo, Curtis, I'm sure you heard that too and thought of that, that he had that conversation with uh, Melvin who said, you know, no one thought we were going to win as many games. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the A's and what they did a year ago where they came from out of nowhere, but they got tremendous contributions from young guys on that team. Sean Mania, he was the ace of that staff didn't make it into the postseason because he got hurt before the the end of the regular season. But then also they got a, a huge boost from Matt Chapman, who is one of the best young players in baseball and is a guy who gets slept on uh, across the country when it comes to you know best young talent in the game. The Mariners, I don't know if they necessarily have a young player that is on the verge of having a season the way Chapman did a year ago or, or a guy in their rotation who's going to take a step forward the, the way Sean Manaya did a year ago. But the Mariners, I think, have set themselves up to be similar to the A's in how they go about building their team over the next couple of years, where they're not going to fall in love with people and, and have them on this roster 
uh, simply because they're great personalities. If that was the case, James Paxson would still be on the Mariners roster. Right. If that were the case, Nelson Cruz would still be here. But they recognized that they weren't going to get better and they weren't going to get younger by keeping those guys around. The thing about winning this many games early on in the season is that you can't take away these three wins. And if they play at the winning percentage that a lot of us estimated mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, we have to tack three wins onto that, which yeah. then increases their odds of playing better than what we had estimated. Can I give a hot take, Curtis? This is the time and place. You sh- I, I why didn't you are, ask me for permission to I, give a hot take? Sorry. <laughs> Stacey, can I can I also I just think it should permission. be a unanimous decision. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you to may proceed with your hot take. <laughs> to the group. Yeah, to the nope. group. Yeah, okay, go, okay, go thank for you. It. Thank you. I was just asking the captain here. If, yeah, if no, I that's fine. That's fine. Uh I believe that they're going four and oh. You say Kikuchi, I believe, is going to shut it down. They're gonna have another great run. The the next guy who's coming up at the starting pitching uh for the for the Red Sox, uh it's not like he's a dominant pitcher uh as of right now. So I believe that they are going to turn it on again, go 4-0, send major shockwaves through, and with Marco Gonzalez and Yusei Kikuchi being your starting pitching in game 1-2 and two and 3-4, and four, we are going to go 4-0. Oh, so you're saying throughout the... the so, okay, so our okay, first, I see, our first I see, two I see. games, yep, yeah? Yep, yep. Now, uh, the, four, the, four, the, four, uh, the 509 says, here's a, here's a real question, is Felix the monkey wrench in all this? I mean, he's going out there every fifth day. We talked about it, uh, what was it, last night with the Kings Court. That's going to happen uh, in the in his next appearance. But, I mean, every fifth day, putting Felix out there, it's not going to be the best thing for the Mariners in terms of if they're looking to win, which I don't think they are in, in 2019, even – with the three and zero start to the season, but do you honestly think they wouldn't put him out there? If things start to turn the Mariners' way and they start to win games at a pace that I don't think they were expecting, and they start to hang around atop the AL West for the first couple months of the season, I think they scale Felix back, maybe even to the point where he gets released. I think that could very well happen. I think that could happen regardless of whether they're good or bad. Maybe it would happen more if they were, you know, if they were bad or if they were really good. But Felix in his spot in this team, I think it definitely would throw a wrench into any hopes of contention. What's a what's a pitcher that you would hope to see in there? Is it Justice Sheffield someone too far away, or is that someone that you would have liked to see? In that rotation. Well, I think Sheffield, the only reason he's not up right now is because he's not going to be, they don't want to start a service clock as soon as possible because, well, I mean, he's got just a. They they want to retain his rights for one more year. Exactly. And they want to be able to have him uh, longer if they keep him down in Tacoma right now than if they were to bring him up right now. Yes, and that's and that poses the question too about Felix is what are they going to do and and what Felix how Felix is going to respond here uh now we're into the season what is Felix able to do uh in this last year with the Mariners because if he is able to kind of salvage his career here it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens to him in this rotation. 
Uh, do they keep him for the full year? And it, but if he continues to slide like he has, you could easily see by the time they bring up Justice Sheffield that they're going to let Felix Hernandez go, and that's going to be something to watch. And then from that point on, you don't have that monkey wrench as the 509 like to describe it. Um, I just believe that this team, if anything else, and this is the thing that we are going to be watching uh, every day as they as they hit the field, is is this team progressing? If they're not going to show it in the win-loss total, are, are is this team a group that's building a winning culture? Are your guys that you're looking at in terms of future projections or the decisions you're making yeah as the decisions you're making and the and the guys on the field are you know determining their future on in this ball club uh are they improving are they getting better uh are they producing on the field and showing promise those are going to be the key things moving forward and if they can do this while at the same time winning man that's going to be a ton of fun when we get back here on seattle sports now we wrap it up as we do every single night with your text questions, it's time for you to ask us anything. Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710. By the way, you can listen to our show via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Your questions next in Ask Us Anything. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jay Keeps, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. We'll be back with you next week. Actually, no. We'll be we back with be you in a different week. capacity. We are taking over the Clayton Show. Yeah. yeah. We will be filling in for the professor Next week from 10 a.m. to noon every single day. So that is something you can be looking forward to. If right? you want to look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. So Ideally, essentially you would be looking forward to 12 it. hours earlier than you heard us tonight, that's when you'll hear us next week. Mm-hmm. We're uh, still going to um, pretend that it's like 11 p.m. though. Yeah. So it'll be Seattle sports at Which night Which means calories don't morning. count. Yeah. <laughs> like no joke, when when we're done here, I'm hitting up like Jack in the Box. There's something about Taco when it's Bell. late at night, it doesn't. I told uh, Jake when we were taping a while ago, I had Cheerios, like two things of Cheerios for dinner, mm-hmm. and it felt really good. So <laughs> when when we worked the uh, the Tokyo games a couple weeks, or actually a week ago, uh, it was 3 a.m. and myself and the incomparable Matt Nelson. Uh, we both had the the realization, like, yo, it's 3 a.m. Calories do not count at this nope. hour. So we both ordered uh, Jack in the Box on Postmates. And it was $300. Uh, no, it was like $30. Though. Worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. A couple of breakfast sandwiches apiece. Yeah. I mean. I've spent uh, 20 bucks on a Subway sandwich from Uber Eats once. Wow. I didn't want to get out of bed. We've all had those days. <laughs> I, I don't blame you one bit. It is what it is. It's time to ask us anything before we head on out for the evening. Stacy, you're looking at the Coors Light text yep. line right there. What's what's catching your eye? I like this one from the 206. What's something that makes you start screaming internally when you see someone else do it? Okay, I got one for you. All right. Me, I am a big person in turn. I like to shy away from big time confrontation. Okay. Okay. And not just like 
you know, if I've got a problem with you type of confrontation, it's like customer service confrontation. And my wife is extremely assertive in that regard. So if someone is not handling their business right or giving good customer service uh-huh. and in a reasonable fashion, she's not being crazy or right. unreasonable in any way, but then start starting to assert herself in the situation like, hey, this this you need to be providing me the service that I that I should be getting, whatever it is. I always kind of... Uh, I think women are more comfortable doing this. Yes. Like my mom and friends all do this. Yes. Yeah. And it, 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 I cringe every single time. And it's not even bad. I just don't like it. Like, oh, please don't <laughs> not I, uh, like us. Uh, I'm I, sorry. No, you know what? Give me worse service. That's that right. makes me feel it's awkward, okay. too. Because, like, when... When the person who is is giving the the server or the waiter or the waitress a hard time, or not just a hard time, but like being very assertive in, in how they want their service happening, like when that person's not looking and you get just like that kind of eye look, yeah, with the way you just go, yeah, I'm sorry, like I I I'm trying my best here, <laughs> like I don't, I, I apologize for them. That's right. I, I'll never forget. There was I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was trying to get something uh, refunded. And so I was on the phone with customer service. I'm like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Can I get this refunded? And they're like, oh, sorry, sir. You just simply can't. And my wife's like, what? Like, are you going to get this refunded? And I'm like, no, they said I couldn't. She called them back and she got the refund. Like, that's embarrassing. Like, come on, Jake, have a spine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> Two five three on the Coors Light text line and say, "Hey, I was just in the Wendy's drive-through listening to you." All. Now I was just about yeah. to reply to that number and say, "Now we have to go get Wendy's because mm-hmm. it's all I can think Frosties. of." Frosties, yeah. oh, man. I'm all for it. So good. The four for four. What's that? What's that? I'm not a Wendy's regular. You're not a. You don't. No, I used to frequent. No, Taco we don't Bell know the four the for time. four. What's you the get... fast food restaurant? Question I'm making up. The fast food restaurant you went to most in your life. Uh, it's mostly life, childhood, but like Bell. I think Taco Bell for me too. But a really? Wendy's four for four, you get a a sandwich, chicken nuggets, fries, and a soda, all for four bucks. Wow, that's it's unreal. That's impressive. In terms of my childhood, it's like you're making money. I mean, McDonald's probably because of the Happy Meal. Uh, that was a classic, a staple. It is. Um, but I, I I did go to Jack in the Box a lot. Oh yeah. What's something you can't believe people like from the three six zero? That people like. I know we've talked about foods before. Pickles, Jake yeah. doesn't like salsa. Curtis doesn't like pickles. What's a? Is there like a show that's really popular where you're like, I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> reality TV shows. Oh, See, I, don't get I, me I started. Love, I love reality TV. TV. Uh, Desperate Housewives or. That's uh, a scripted television show. I never got into like Grey's Anatomy. Or sorry, Real Housewives. Grey's Anatomy used to be amazing. But it I still watch it. It just kind of... I still watch it. Yeah? Yep. See, I can't say anything now. No, you can. You absolutely it can. It just got a little bit... A little complex. And you know what? A lot of my favorite characters left. Like, I really liked Izzy. So? Then Katherine Heigl had her moment. Well, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that was like a long you. time ago. That's going to do it for us here on this Thursday night. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back with you, not at this time, but we'll be back with you next week, filling in for the professor, John Clayton. For Stacey Rost and Jake Heaps, I'm Curtis Rogers. This has been Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.